This is Outside Shots, a college basketball betting podcast with Eli Hershkovich. Seven seconds to go. Three-pointer. Covering game-by-game odds and futures markets. It's Outside Shots, presented by the Lions. Another edition of the Outside Shots podcast presented by thelines.com. My name is Eli Herskovich. You can follow me on Twitter at Eli Herskovich. You can follow the lines on Twitter at the lines US. The guest to my right, I believe virtually, Wes Reynolds of Vison at Wes Reynolds One on Twitter. Be sure to follow him, one of the best college basketball minds out there. The Vison Coast of Live Bet Tonight in Las Vegas. It airs Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific time. And before we get started, reminder to give the video a thumbs up, subscribe, and ring the bell to get notifications whenever a new episode of Outside Shots or any sports betting market discussed by thelines.com is released. We're also giving away a $25 Amazon gift card in our daily college hoops pick'em contest. For more details, head over to play.thelines.com. And you can join the Lines Discord channel to get notifications whenever any one of our staff members places a bet, including my college basketball conference tournament futures, which is the main focus of this podcast with Wes Reynolds previewing Champ Week here on Outside Shots, recording on Monday, March 6th. What's going on, Wes? How are you, Eli? Thanks for having me. Yeah, doing doing well. And you are too, as I see on Twitter and hear about on Visa. And you're crushing it in the college basketball betting contest on the network. So before we get started looking into conference tournament futures, we'll go through the Power Six conferences along with giving out a another team outside or another future bet outside of those six main conferences. But why don't you give the our audience a little bit of background on what's going on in the uh, VEASAN College Basketball Contest? Yeah, I was uh, glad and and finally had a had a had a perfect week five and zero this weekend because this contest, which we do, Matt Newman sets it up. Uh, we did a Friday football invitational with Matt on the late Friday show, which is called Saturday Bet Prep. That's nine to twelve Pacific, twelve to three Eastern. And had a group of uh, pro bettors and, and whatnot and bookmakers that would submit five plays in terms of both NFL and college. You could use size totals or you can go all NFL or all college or a mixed match of both. So he wanted to do something for college basketball. So what we do is you pick five plays. Now, this is harder to do, actually, for college basketball because there's like 150 games on an average Saturday. So it's like, do I pick the right five? Because I'm going to have, and I know you're going to have, and probably a lot of members of your audience, we're going to have more than five plays, you know, depending on how the day is going. It is tough to narrow that down. And I play a little bit higher of a volume because I'm doing first halves and I'm doing second halves and maybe trying to middle. Sometimes you got to buy off a spot if you bet something and then an injury comes along. So, you know, that's what we've been doing. Now, this week it's going to be a little tricky because, We're not going to know half the games for Saturday because typically by about 3 p.m., we usually get lines either from DraftKings or Circa. There's usually a couple lines out in the market. So you got about a two hour window to get those picks in before we have to get them ready for the show. So, you know, everybody's been doing pretty solid. We had a really great week across the board. Our our man, Will Hill at not the Will Hill on Twitter is leading Jim Root of uh, three man weave. He has been doing very well. Uh, Rex Byers, Greg Peterson, my colleague Tim Murray at Beeson. So Aaron Moore also, who is a sports better, who's actually a uh, professor at Ryder University, but is a college basketball junkie. So everybody killed it last week. We, you know, we finally had it like some weeks. It's like one or two guys do well. A couple guys don't do well, but everybody did well across the board last week. Yeah, you mentioned Ryder. I wouldn't count them out out of their Mm -hmm. conference tournament. Maybe we'll talk about them later on in the podcast. But obviously, big shouts to all those guys at Beeson. You mentioned Jim Root, one of the better college basketball minds out there. A lot of great college basketball content all over the place in the space. And hopefully you guys have enjoyed the Outside Shots podcast as we've been getting it rolling again 
over the last few weeks. But Wes, tipping things off here with the ACC and going through the odds that are available for this conference tournament as I pull them up on our website. Reminder, you can head over to thelines.com to get the best of the number. Wes mentioned DraftKings releasing odds and obviously the rest of the major legal sports books or at least nationwide legal sports books, Caesars, FanDuel, BetMGM, and BetRivers, Sugarhouse, all on thelines.com to price shop at. So Duke is the favorite at every single of those books. Best number you can get on Duke is plus 290. Then Virginia plus 300. The Who's tying with Miami or having a co-share of the regular season title in this conference. The Canes are next up plus 340. UNC plus 650. Don't necessarily agree with that price. Clemson tied with UNC at DraftKings plus 650. Then it's NC State, the three-headed backcourt led by Travion Smith. At plus 1,200, Pitt, which had a shot to get the co-share with UVA, but lost to Miami on Saturday. (laughs) Right, yeah, getting blitzed by Mike Bray in his final home game. Then he decided to go to a bar right after that to celebrate it. And then so on and so forth in the conference. You can, again, check out the rest of the odds at thelines.com. So, Wes, what number or what team sticks out to you if you're considering a bet or maybe a team that you just think is flat out overvalued and you might target to fade on a game by game basis. Yeah. Once again, for the second consecutive year, I absolutely hate this league. I think that this league has not been that great. And I think if you look at the Ken Palm, when he does the conference ratings, they're ranked seventh because we consider it a power six, right? Eli, the, the college football power five plus the big East and the ACC is ranked seventh. It's rated below the Mountain West, and I don't disagree with that. I think the Mountain West has been a better league, really, this year. But when I look at this, and and Duke is the favorite, I mean, it's not your typical Duke team. I actually think that they're justified as the favorite when you look at how, you know, if you're judging teams in terms of the way that they've played, like, the last three, four weeks, I think Duke has probably been the most consistent with six games in a row. They haven't been pretty. This is not a team that's particularly like a great shooting team from the outside. They don't have like that big score, except for Filipowski down low, but they don't have that guard that they always seem to have, whether it's, you know, a Barrett or a Jason Williams or J.J. Reddick or go on and on with the the amount of great Duke guards that they've had. John They haven't had that all year. Pardon? John Shire, too. John Shire, absolutely, the the, uh, first-year head coach. But what I've been impressed with with Duke, and this is what has really surprised me about this team, they've been pretty darn good defensively. And usually Duke is so young with a lot of first-year freshmen and more recently transfer portal, they've been really good defensively. They're number two in effective field goal percentage in the league. They don't foul or they don't get called for fouls, depending on your perspective and how you view Duke and how they're officiated. They're number two in two-point defense. They've obviously got size down low with Filipowski and Lively and also uh, the Northwestern transfer. So I've been really impressed with really how they've played. I think this conference is a little bit of a crapshoot conference. Miami has been the best offense, I think, by far this season. And that's why I think makes them so dangerous because they go up tempo. They have a good point guard, Nigel Pack. Of course, they bring Wall they bring back a lot of the core that made that run to the Elite Eight before they got beat by Kansas. But this conference, I'm, I'm trying to figure out one. I don't have a bet yet you're in, yet in terms of a future in this conference. But I think when you let in the open about North Carolina, I hate that price. And I think you're already <laughs> getting taxed where it's like, Okay, the heels, everybody's going to have them in the bracketology, either last four in or first four out. I'd have them out of the tournament. After they lost to Duke, I was like, that was your chance. That was your chance to, I think, you know, lock in or be very comfortable with an NCAA tournament bid. And they didn't get it done at home, quite frankly. So that's one thing I think the audience should keep in mind, you know, in terms of betting these conference tournaments, either game by game or futures. A lot of the need-to-win teams or the must-win teams are taxed in. 
you're already paying a tax in the number from the opener, plus the way that the betting market is going to bet it accordingly. So keep that in mind. Some of these teams, yeah, they play their way in here in championship week, but some of these teams, not everyone is going to win in a must win situation. Some of them are going to play their way out. So I would be careful. Like I would not bet. Could North Carolina win the ACC tournament? Sure. They could get hot. Virginia Tech did last year, but gosh, I don't, I don't want to bet them at six to one or plus six fifty. You know, it's wild too. And I, I want to touch on Duke an interesting counterpoint. And it's, it's cool that we not necessarily disagree on Duke. It's not like you were making the case to bet Duke, but just the way they played down the stretch here, winners of six straight outright, like you mentioned, but going back to UNC over at FanDuel Sportsbook, this is wild to me. I saw this last night. UNC is priced at, again, you mentioned a team in the Tar Heels, not in the field right now. At least I think according to a lot of good bracketologists, mm-hmm. not the, I don't think Lenardi has him in the field, not to call him out, but you get what I'm saying. And if you listen to this podcast in the past, you understand my criticism of some of those major brand name bracketologists, right. but UNC plus 2,800 to make the final four at FanDuel Sportsbook. Two teams tied at the same number. San Diego State, which is guaranteed to make the tournament and a much mm-hmm. better profile to make a deeper run in March, not just because of the fact that, again, they're in the field automatically. North Carolina is not. West Virginia, similar number, and right. they're likely already in. Now, it's not necessarily guaranteed, but going off of those last two wins at they Iowa State. They should be. Yeah. So for North Carolina to have the same odds to make the Final Four as those two teams is bizarre to me, but I want to go back and I'll actually, before I go on to Duke, like what's your immediate reaction when you hear that? I know. And you said this as well, UNC, the title favorite entering the season. So it's not just the fact that they likely have to go on a deep run at the least in the ACC tournament to make the NCAA tournament. All those priors are baked into this number as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think the fact that, look, you're always going to get some kind of futures liability on, on the favorite, I, I think. Maybe, maybe it's not as much as we think, but there were people very high on North Carolina. And look, in terms of the preseason polls, you almost had to, at least in the ACC, maybe not nationally, pick them first just because they were bringing four starters back from a national runner-up team. So it's like, okay, you know, they're at least more of a known commodity rather than a lot of the rest of the market. But yeah, I I think North Carolina, I think that's a brand name thing. And I think maybe that's some books afraid to put such a big price out there because you will have betters, I think, at this time of year that will like take shots on premium teams, whether it's a Kentucky or a Duke or one of really the blue bloods in college basketball. So maybe they'll take a shot at North Carolina. But yeah, I don't think, and it's not that I'm long on San Diego State or West Virginia and making a really super deep run. Everything is matchup and draw specific, but yeah, I think it's ridiculous that North Carolina is priced that short in terms of of making the Final Four. I, I, I mean, they they lose they lose that first game. Maybe they win that first game and they make it to the quarterfinals. I mean, they could. You know, I still I still think that they need to win at least a couple games in this ACC tournament. They probably need to get to the semis, maybe even the conference final in Greensboro. I think to say, okay, we have a little bit of a case because there's going to be a couple teams that do that, that play their way in in a conference tournament. And then there's going to be a couple that play their way out. Yeah, no doubt, man. Good breakdown of UNC there and just the market as a whole. But I want to get back to Duke. So I was doing some digging again around plus 280, plus 290 is the best number you could find on Duke to win the ACC tournament. The favorite as of this Monday recording, 26.32% implied probability based off of those odds. And you mentioned RJ Barrett, that team that last made it or last won the ACC tournament back in 2019 was the Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish led Duke team that got a lot of breaks to say the least. I know we could probably talk about that for a long time. They got a lot of breaks in that NCAA tournament to even get to the elite eight and Michigan state luckily. And for my sake, and I think for years knocked them out, but 
looking yes. looking at this, there we go. Looking at this Duke team and how they're constructed. I agree with you that they're much better defensively than your prototypical Coach K-led Duke team. And I think that has a lot to do with John Shire, who to me is a much better coach from a schematic standpoint. Yes. But, but this team is still very freshman late in it. Duke has started to make this sort of a push and make this late season run because Tyrese Proctor has taken over the lead guard duties. But two glaring concerns for me, and I'll have a full ACC write-up on Duke over at thelines.com. believe it's going to come out around midnight Eastern time on Tuesday morning, Monday night, however you want to look at the, the time there. But a couple of concerns for me. Number one, Duke ranks number 265 in three-point scoring rate across college basketball. So teams, including ACC teams, conference foes in the ACC tournament, can throw matchup zones against them a lot, kind of similar to that 2019 Duke team, and it can be effective to an extent. Turnovers are also a big concern for Duke, along with a couple other teams that we'll hit on on this podcast, Wes, because they're averaging the second highest turnover rate in conference play, and Proctor Mm -hmm. is a big part of that. So considering they don't shoot the three ball well, and they rely, rely on dribble penetration and isolation offense to produce, and granted, they can get a lot of those points in transition, and the turnover bug can be a big time worrisome factor for the Blue Devils too. So those variables in mind with those variables in mind, I don't think the price tag is warranted. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not going to bet it. I think that they're probably the justifiable favorite just because of recent form, but I share your same concerns. And then also defensively, as good as they have been, they don't really force a lot of turnovers either. So you feel like they're almost not taking advantage of their superior talent and their superior athleticism because, you know, I would think that a young team like this and John Shire's elected to, I think, value half-court defense, uh, a young team like this, it kind of feels like you want them to run a little bit more and get a little more tempo. They're 293 in tempo. You don't usually see that necessarily with the Duke team, but I think maybe he is doing that because of what you said uh, just a moment ago. This is not a very good shooting Duke team. This is not a team that has a dead-eye three-point shooter necessarily. What are they, 239th in the country, 32.9%. That's not what (laughs) you usually see out of Duke. So I think they're the justifiable favorite. I don't know if they're the justifiable bet is what I would say on this team. Yeah, I'm with you. And I'm sure people want us to stop talking about the Blue Bloods between UNC and Duke. But just one last quick note. You can find it in my preview. You mentioned Virginia Tech made the run to the ACC tournament title and beating Duke in the title Mm -hmm. last season. You can make the case for Virginia Tech, but to me, this team is not the same defensively as we saw last year. And that's kind of baked into the number as well. Now they're not nearly as playing nearly as well either, but ranking outside of the top 100 and adjusted defensive efficiency, I'm probably not going to bet this number, even though it's a a big sexy price tag at plus 4,500 ish. They might be the only long shot though, that I would take a chance with here in the ACC, because I don't like Wake Forest. I think they've been disappointing. They're not a very good defensive team. They can score, but they can't guard anybody. And speaking of a team that can't guard anybody is Syracuse. And I know people are going to be like, oh, Cuse has done it before. Yeah. They've made a run in this tournament. Yes. But did did you watch their last four games against the Did you watch their game at Pittsburgh? Did you watch their game against Georgia Tech? That team has no interest in playing defense. And I mean, when you got teams like Pittsburgh and Georgia Tech making like 16 and 17 threes against you, Pitt's a little bit better from the three, but Georgia Tech can't shoot in the ocean. And they made say, you know, scored 96 on him in the dome up there in Syracuse. So, yeah, this conference is one of the harder ones, I think, to project. But so that's why maybe Duke default favorite. But I think Virginia three to one, probably because if you believe defense travels and you go by default, who's a better defense in the conference than that? Yeah, no, I bet. I think I got a little lucky, not to say it was Minnesota Vikings lucky in terms of winning the conference. The Vikings won the NFC North title outright, but the Hoos were a bit lucky to be co-conference regular season champs. And oh, I, yeah. I cashed that, or at least I got a little piece of that, plus 700. You and me both, yep. There we go. So nice 
winner for us over the weekend beating Louisville. I figured that was going to happen, but still, it's you know, a little concerning heading into the game on Saturday just because you need the win. But luckily for us, like you mentioned, Notre Dame squash pit earlier in the week, which set UVA up for a shot to get a share of the ACC title, and they came through for us on Saturday. Over to the Big 12, West, and looking at the conference tournament odds, you mentioned how ACC is having a down year. I mean, they had a down year last year as well, despite UNC and Duke getting all the way to the Final Four, which was su- surprising. I don't think that happens this year, but the Big 12 is the best conference in college basketball, bar none. And looking at the latest odds, again, you could head over to the lines.com to find the best of the number for a lot of these. Kansas, the favorite at pretty much every sports book around plus 275, plus 250, as low as plus 250 at Caesars and FanDuel. Then it's Texas at plus 330, which beat Kansas. Granted, the Jayhawks didn't have a lot to play for in the regular season finale on Saturday. Texas covering as around two possession home favorites. Baylor next up. Then it's TCU, which has gotten bet down a bit from the opener at around plus 800. Kansas State next up. Around plus 800, as low as plus 650 on DK. Don't necessarily agree with that number. Iowa State tied for those odds, plus 650, as high as 10 to 1 over at FanDuel Sportsbook. West Virginia was, I believe, open at 32 to 1, which was a bad number to me at yeah. Bet River Sugar House. I have a bet on West Virginia. I'll get to the Mountaineers after you go here, Wes. And then it's Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. We could talk about. Red Raiders off the court issues. And I'll briefly mention that when I get to West Virginia, but maybe if you want to hear more about Texas Tech off the court with their former coach at this point, likely going to be former coach and Mark Adams, you could listen to another podcast. But Wes, any thoughts on the Big 12 tournament? Any bets or considerations for you fades on a game by game basis? Yeah, theoretically, I guess you could make the case that every single one of these teams could win this tournament, even though Texas Tech, that's kind of, you know, maybe they're just kind of worn out, I think, with everything, the drama with the, with Coach Adams. And you wonder if they're going to check out because they've shown they could be a very good team, but I wouldn't be in on them. Uh, and, and plus, they have to win an extra game, obviously, because they're in that 7 to 10, 8, 9, where they play the first day uh, starting on Wednesday. But when I, when I look at this conference and I will say this from the jump, I think Kansas, they're to me the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament, regardless of what happens here in the big 12, they just have too many good wins. And, you know, them in Houston, I think are the only two actual locks right now for number one overall seeds. I think Alabama certainly could drop. I think UCLA has really put them in good shots. So all my Purdue friends are like, Oh man, they dropped us off the one line. They could get back, you know, if Alabama ends up faltering, but back to the big 12, when I was looking at this, I agree with the move on TCU. TCU is a team that I think does have a very high seed feeling, especially if Mike Miles, you know, is playing healthy and, uh, you know, he's really the straw that stirs the drink. If you remember. Yeah, I want to jump in there and I want to ask you this for your perspective, because I have a bit of an opinion that I'll share when I break down my bet of this conference. Don't you think it's more worthwhile for TCU, not necessarily to show less effort in the Big 12 tournament, but from an injury standpoint, considering all they've had to undergo with the Miles injury and Eddie Lampkin with his knee, their focus is set on the big dance, mm-hmm. not the conference tournament. Like, yes, you want to get in some sort of a rhythm, and they're elite defensively when they're out of the half court, like we saw against Texas last week when they won that game. And credit to Longhorns backers because Sir Jabari Rice came through with that last second three-point shot. But yes. long story short, I just wonder about motivation when, to me, the key factor for TCU is getting healthy, truly healthy for mid-March. Well, and I kind of think, to your point, maybe Jamie Dixon has bungled this a little bit because I think the guy, Eddie Lampkin, is the guy that's also had some injuries, too. And they didn't, like, shut him down for two or three weeks. You know, he's had to play, and he's played, like, 15 minutes, 20 minutes here. And it's like, you know, maybe shut him down and get him healthy for this time for for March, you know, which we're in now. And that's what concerns me. Now, I think that this is a team that can absolutely beat anybody. Uh, You know, they can... They're, they're not the best shooting team, so they're very much go to the rim. To rate, say the least. Obviously. 
Yeah, they're they're not a great shooting team, but defensively they're solid. They've proven that they can play in track meets or they can play in rock fights, you know, because you get a wide variance in the Big 12. I mean, you're going to run a little bit more with the Kansas State or somebody like that, and then you're going to be in those, you know, real like low scoring games like you get Iowa State or somebody of that nature so TCU I thought was interesting if I'm going a little bit down the board because I'm not going that far off like a Texas Tech or an Oklahoma or an Oklahoma State but TCU I think I'm still seeing them eight to one or plus 750 they were one that got my attention and then the other that's a little bit more chalky and you know this is not a team that I bet all the time but the Baylor Bears at, you know, relatively close to five to one. And this is a team that's number one, actually, in offense, uh, more of an offensive team than a defensive team. Number one in offense and dead last in defense. So it depends on what you value here. But it maybe is more of a situational type thing for me, Eli, because I did not expect them to get housed at home in the season finale by an Iowa State team that looked like they were leaking oil. You know, Caleb Grill gets thrown off the team. I don't know if that's going to eventually be addition by subtraction. It certainly was on Saturday. But, you know, when a team gets like beat at home like that, I kind of said tend to think in the finale that it's a little bit of a wake up call. So I would expect a very focused effort out of Baylor, at least in that first game against against Iowa State. And obviously playing a team on a short turnaround after they kicked your butts at home, I, I think is probably a good thing for Baylor. And then they would get Kansas. They obviously split the season series. Baylor, I think, might be worth something. And I usually won't back a team that's like 10th in a 10-team conference in a couple few different defensive categories, but... I think they could be interesting. They did get George back, you know, after he missed that Oklahoma State game. So Baylor, I think, finally is relatively healthy at the end of the season. They just don't have a ton of games together. Yeah. I don't trust, not only for the conference tournament, but for the NCAA tournament. You mentioned their defensive efficiency rating. I just don't trust them enough at that end of the floor. I get it from a ball screen offensive structure that has arguably been the best that Scott Drew has ever had with these guards. You think about Adam Flagler. Now he's been in the big 12. He's been through Mm -hmm. these wars in the best conference of college basketball over the last few seasons for a while now, but he's a Presbyterian transfer LJ Cryer. These aren't elite level names, but they're perfect for his system and they are elite shooters. They may not have the, the brand name of a, big-name college basketball player beyond Keontae George, the five-star freshman that you mentioned who missed some time this year. But again, a a three-headed backcourt kind of similar to one of the teams I mentioned earlier, very prolific shooting team from behind the arc. But my Big 12 betting breakdown is up at thelines.com. And one quick comparison to TCU before we go to the bet that I made in this conference, Wes, it kind of reminds me of, and maybe I maybe this gets thrown back in my face and we see full-fledged effort from the Horn Frogs. They end up going on to win the conference tournament title. We saw it with Baylor back in 2021. Now, they didn't have their legs underneath them because a lot of their guys over the last month plus were dealing with COVID. So we didn't see the effort and we didn't see them truly get healthy until the NCAA tournament when their defense looked elite because they're the lone exception to you always hear, okay, what do you need to be to be a champion? You need a top 20 adjusted offensive efficiency and a top 20 adjusted defensive efficiency. Since Kempom has been in place, they're the lone team that hasn't had that. But that's because of that February disturbing stretch when they were dealing with COVID and that defense wasn't right because their guys weren't right. So I just, I I wonder from an effort standpoint, uh, if we see a similar kind of vibe to what we saw out of Baylor, just looking ahead to the NCAA tournament, but back to my bet here for the big 12 tournament, I made a bet on West Virginia at 20 to one over at FanDuel Sportsbook. And when I think about lock factor, which is a part of Ken Palm's metrics or quote-unquote metrics if you want to consider it that way. Kansas, you mentioned them. I hit on them at the beginning being the favorite to win this conference tournament at around plus 250, plus 275. They've been very fortunate, especially in close games. And Kansas, among all their wins this year, 11 of them have come by two possessions, so six points or fewer, which definitely factors into luck rating. 
And while this team has very, very good defensive guards, Dewan Harris, Kevin McCuller, even the freshman, Grady Dick, really good on-ball defenders, off-ball defenders too in terms of generating turnovers, but they don't have that go-to Bill Self low-post presence where you run backdoor lobs, kind of like Trace Jackson Davis mm-hmm. at Indiana this year. Right. You have K.J. Adams that can do that, but and Uday has come along, one of their freshman four-star bigs this year, but still not necessarily your McCormick's, your Azabuki's, your Perry Ellis's, even though Uday has come along, like I mentioned, down the stretch. He's starting to get more minutes. I think Self is starting to trust him more, and he kind of has to by necessity. Yeah, we saw that in the TCU game when Kansas won that. I know a lot of money came in on the Horn Frogs down the stretch in the night before Kansas won that game out right down the road. But so I mentioned West Virginia here and looking because they would play Kansas in the quarterfinal, I believe Kansas obviously getting one of those buys. So winning four straight games is definitely a tall task. And I get why you might want to shy away from the Mountaineers. They already have the NCAA tournament bid likely iced up like we brought up earlier on, but this team is the antithesis of Kansas in terms of being fortunate there. They haven't been fortunate this year. They rank, right. I believe in the bottom 60 across Kempom in the luck factor rating. So they haven't performed well in close games. And when you think about what factors boil into that for West Virginia, actually the Mountaineers rank number 310 in Kempom's luck rating to be specific. But you think about, West Virginia having the fourth highest three-point attempt rate in Big 12 play. So when you're missing three-point shots like they did in both of those matchups against Kansas, shooting 10 of 41, you're lending yourself towards high variance, and that can either work against you or for you. And they force a lot of turnovers too, and when you're not generating turnovers, and this defense is a little more susceptible than your typical Bob Huggins defense, then you might not fare as well at that end of the floor. So, and also they play at a slower tempo offensively, which when you shrink possessions, this kind of blended into my SIU bet last week. Didn't work out as they got thrown around by Drake on Saturday, but a team that forces turnovers, shoots a lot of threes and plays at a slower tempo offensively can typically play to more of that higher variance ceiling and have a shot with a bigger number. So that's kind of my thought process with West Virginia. Any perspective there for U.S. or no interest in the current price? Well, I mean, I think you broke it down. Look, if, you know, your price at 20 to 1, I think it's been cut some other places. They're in like the mid-teens right now, so at least you got some good value there. But, uh, you know, this is a team that I think has a lot, a lot of variance. Now, they've lost a lot of close games, as you mentioned, and they're not that bad from the foul line. I mean, they're 74% as a team. That's not bad. So, you know, you kind of wonder now – one of the things that they do, I mean, they're not exactly press Virginia like they were a few years ago, but this team will pressure in the backcourt. The one thing I don't like, they commit a lot of fouls that I think are very unnecessary when, where it's like, okay, just play good defense, you know, don't reach. I know you're trying to get turnovers, you know, but, and, you, and you're very good at forcing them, but sometimes, you know, it's very, it's very Auburn-esque. <laughs> Almost in a way, it's like gambling for steals. It's like, don't do that. (laughs) You've got good defenders. Just play straight up, you know, half court defense. But look, I'm not going to poo-poo West Virginia. I think they could absolutely win this tournament. Uh, You know, I go back, if I'm looking chalky, I'm probably selling Kansas. I don't want to bet Kansas necessarily to win this tournament. And then I don't really know about Texas, you know. I think getting that win, and I had them on Saturday over Kansas uh, on the money line, I think that was kind of like, okay, that was our big win. We wanted to beat those guys. Not that they don't want to win the conference tournament, but I think that was like more of the priority. So I'd be selling Texas a little bit. So that left me kind of by default with Baylor in terms of if you want to go like one of the short prices at more of the top end. So Wes, we've hit on the ACC. We've hit on the Big 12. Now shifting over to the Big 10, the latest tournament odds per DraftKings. Purdue, the favorite, plus 150. Not sure if you want to take a look at the Boilermakers, considering the concerns, I'm sure we're going to bring up here in a bit. But Indiana plus 550, the second shortest odds, followed by Michigan State plus 600, then Maryland plus 650. Northwestern, considering they're the number two seed in the conference tournament and priced at plus 900, says all you need to know about the betting market's perception of 
Chris Collins and the Northwestern Wildcats. Then it's Illinois plus 1,200. Rutgers 20 to 1. Clearly dealing with some issues post Mags injury. Iowa next up plus 2,200. Then Penn State, intriguing Nittany Lions team that could space you out at 25 to 1, followed by Michigan at 25 to 1 as well. Wisconsin, Ohio State, both 60 to 1. Then Nebraska, Red Hot Cornhuskers, 250 to 1, and Minnesota. 100 to 1 rounding things out in the Big Ten tournament in Chicago. So I know you want to start off with your Hoosiers. You're an Indiana grad and you have a lot to say about a team that has plenty to play for at the United Center. They're not going to pack it in, I think, when uh, things get tough and, you know, past Indiana teams would. And, you know, they end up, I think, getting the lucky portion of the draw, at least on paper, because they are the three seed. Now, you got to play that last game. You usually don't like to play the last game. You're waiting all day to play, and that'll be the last game Friday night. But you're looking at potentially a Maryland, who, yeah, they won a couple neutral side games in November. This is a Maryland team with two uh, two road wins. They beat Minnesota, and they beat Louisville, who's 4-27. and so this is a team that has feasted and probably earned their NCAA tournament at large bid if they don't win the tur- Big Ten tournament at home. They went undefeated in College Park. So this is a team Indiana would get some payback. They only got to play them once this year and did lose at Maryland, as every other team in the conference did. <laughs> and then you're getting them or you're getting Minnesota and Nebraska, that 11-14 winner. Now, credit Nebraska. They have actually played very good basketball really over the last month of the season. So I don't think that's necessarily an easy out. They'll be a tough customer, but that's good for Indiana. I think where if they win one game, they're in the semifinals and who are they looking at? They're looking at a Northwestern team. And you said the market, not really respecting them. Northwestern, all of a sudden, you know, this isn't like, Oh, when they first finally broke that streak a few years ago, of Brian McIntosh, where they finally made the NCAA tournament. Now it's like, okay, can this team win games in the NCAA tournament? Can they advance, you know, maybe to the second weekend? You got a team that's not used to those expectations because I'm sure you know, being from Chicago, Northwestern's tagline is Chicago's Big Ten team. And that's what they try to promote themselves at, even though every single school in the conference has alums in Chicago. Everybody has a bar in (laughs) Chicago, as you well know. Indiana, Purdue, Iowa, Illinois, Michigan, Michigan State, et cetera, et cetera. So when you look, I think Northwestern's got a lot of different pressure. And who are they looking at out of that 7-10 game? They're looking at an Illinois or a Penn State. Especially Illinois, if they advance and it's Friday night in the United Center in Chicago, that's going to be a big crowd, I think, for that game. And look, Penn State's got as much momentum as anybody. Cameron Winter has hit two buzzer beaters or two game winners, rather, in five days. So I kind of like that. I'm looking more to attack that bottom of the bracket. I would have liked seen a little higher on Indiana. Of, like, the chalky teams, they're the team I like the best. I don't really like Maryland. Uh, Michigan State and Iowa, that's a coin flip. I don't want to bet Purdue at 140, even though as an IU guy, I'm kind of a Purdue defender. But that's the concern about Purdue. Whenever they get in a march, they always run into a team that, like, out-athletes them. Even though St. Peter's wasn't really that case last year, they just out-executed them. But, and, and I'm a Matt Painter defender. I, I will admit that. Okay. I think he's a very good coach. I know a lot. I know you're not as high on him, but <laughs> I, think he's, I think he's a good coach. I just think that he is very set in his ways. In yes. terms of how, in terms of how he likes to play, he likes to run that motion. He likes man-to-man defense. Uh, I think he was stubborn last year, not wanting to play Edie and Travion Williams together. That's what ended up getting him bounced out of the NCAA tournament, in my opinion. So maybe Matt's made the adjustments this year, but I like the bottom of the bracket here, and I do like it for Indiana. If you're looking to upset special. Illinois, to me, at 11-1, to I'd like a little more. Illinois, to me, is the most talented team in the conference, if you just go talent for talent. I, I think, and I've always felt that way. Now, Illinois could get maybe a third meeting with Indiana, and I don't buy into that, you know, difficult to beat a team three times. I think it's very matchup specific, but Illinois probably should have won the second game in Assembly Hall, so I don't think it was a clear 2-0 sweep for Indiana. And then Penn State, by the way beat Indiana where Indiana just got lost chasing screens. Penn state had so many open threes. They only played them once at Bryce Jordan center and Penn state just embarrassed them really from the three. But I do think Indiana getting that scare, I think they're going to be focused here. And I think there's, you know, there's a sense that Indiana, 
do the, they might really want to win this Big Ten tournament because they've always sucked in this tournament. They've been terrible. I think they've made the final one time, and that was back when Mike Davis was the coach, when uh, they played, uh, when Steve Alford was at Iowa, Luke Recker, the former IU transfer in the early 2000s. So, and, and I also think Trace Jackson Davis is motivated because the, the book on Trace, he's one of the all-time great Indiana Hoosier players, but he's never won anything. So now there's a little bit of pressure I mean, where it's like, I got to bring a title. I got to bring some kind of trophy to Indiana. So you're getting a, a you know, an Indiana team, maybe at 550 or six to one, that I think at least is going to be focused here. And that's what you're looking for to your point earlier. It's like some teams, it's like, well, maybe they don't want to win this tournament or maybe they want to be rested. I think Indiana is going full hardcore to try to win this thing. You brought up a great point with, how motivated Jackson Davis will be in this tournament. And I tweeted this out earlier this morning on Monday, and I got some some hate for it. I think Jackson Davis is the best player in college basketball, bar none. And you can make the case how good Zach Eady is just mm-hmm. from drawing double teams and what he does to that Purdue team. I mentioned this with Duke, by the way, quick side note, that the Blue Devils have struggled with turnovers, even with their improved play down the stretch. Purdue averaging the second highest turnover rate in Big Ten play. Because they're finally starting to pressure those freshman guards, uh, Braden Smith and Fletcher exactly. Lawyer, who I think in a macro sense have been very good this year yeah. and better than expected. But I think, you know, Rutgers was able to shut him down because Rutgers has those big guards, uh, McConnell, McConnell. And, and, and Mulcahy. Mag like was healthy. Yeah, they're a tough size matchup for Purdue. But I think it was Maryland, actually, in Mackey Arena that kind of like set the blueprint because they started to pressure these guys. And then what happens? Indiana follows suit. And then a couple other teams follow suit. And you're starting to see if you pressure these guys, you know, they can make bad decisions. If you guard them straight up in the half court, by and large, they can out-execute teams. I, and, I think in the half court, but if you've got pressure and some size in the backcourt and some physicality, that's where you can really throw this team off. And that's to your point earlier. Yes, I have some gripes with Matt Painter, but it's also because I had Purdue Futures last year. And I don't think. I did too. Okay. I did too. There they you go. First team I, bet, I was like, they're bringing everybody back, man. They're going to win the whole thing. And then to see them lose to a 15 seed when the draw was totally open for them, because if they went to the elite, I think they would have beaten North Carolina. Yeah, but Ivy clearly didn't care. Not to, I'm not trying to get in that guy's yeah, head. Yeah, him, him and Matt kind of got sideways, too, a little bit. And you could see it in the body language. And also, a lot of the guys just stood around and watched him. Yeah. And, and I think Matt made the tactical mistake not playing Travion Williams and Zach Eady together a little bit more. 100%. I, I thought last season, because Eady, to his credit, has done a hell of a job. He'll win the Wooden Award monster favorite throughout this season and Mm -hmm. his hands have gotten a lot better in the low post but that's the thing with Purdue it's not only the turnover issues with Smith and Lawyer it's they play inside out through Edie and they're such a high variance team even though they're one of the most efficient offenses in the country because they rely on threes besides Zach Edie down low and if you're if they don't shoot well on a given night in the tournament which happens A lot with Purdue. We've seen it in years past besides last year's team because they were much more athletic last season when you had a Jaden Ivey that was so explosive and a pro prospect in the backcourt. But yeah, they make it very difficult for an IU guy. It's already difficult anyway. They make it very difficult for me to be a Purdue defender (laughs) because I kind of am a Purdue defender for the people outside of Indiana. And look, they just they keep finding ways, you know, to, to disappoint. It's the Matt Painter way, even though they probably should have made the Final Four going back to 2019. That, I mean, yeah, that Virginia game. And I had Virginia to win it all that year, so okay. I was glad that happened. But, man, I stole one there. Purdue should have absolutely eliminated them in that regional final. UVA not only stole one, got the job done there, but they stole one against Auburn, even though the Tigers yes. made that late, late push. You can make the case mm-hmm. that Virginia being up by double digits for a lot of that game, they should have won the game. And I had Texas Tech, man, to win the title. I don't even want to talk about that game. but I know. Painful memories. I understand. We all have them. Very painful memories. They did show the replay. I think the ball went off Kyle Guy's ankle, and they never ended up showing the replay. But I digress <laughs> in overtime. So Trace Jackson Davis, I genuinely believe he is the best player in, in the country. Not from a pro prospect standpoint, but just being so ultra-efficient in 
every single dimension at both ends of the floor. I don't know if you've heard this stat, Wes, but I brought it up ad nauseum of late considering I have IU features if you didn't hear. Jackson Davis has a higher assist rate in Big Ten play than Yogi Ferrell going back to that Big Ten conference winner in the regular season, I should say. Yogi Ferrell had, I believe, a higher, I think it was 27%, higher than 27% assist rate. Jackson Davis in conference play, 286 the sixth highest assist rate in conference play elite rebounder and an elite mm-hmm. score considering he has no mid range, even though he almost hit that has no three point right. shot. He almost hit the half court shot to beat Michigan at the end of regulation and is so good on backdoor lobs and post-up touches and dribble penetration considering he's a what? Six, nine, six, 10 big. So big Jackson yeah. Davis guy. Well- He's figured out how to pass out of those double teams because everybody was doubling him. And Matt Painter, I will credit Matt here, he was the first guy to do that. And then everybody else is just starting to double. Wow. What's helped Indiana is that they shoot the three actually from a very good percentage. The problem with Indiana is they don't shoot enough of them. You know, I'm like, you got to try to get Cop and these guys and Jalen Huchifino and Gow. You got to get these guys more shots. But Woody is kind of an old school coach sometimes and very set in his ways, very NBA centric, kind of old school man game type of guy. So hopefully they shoot a lot more threes here in the postseason. Getting Tamar Bates right against Michigan might have been and getting Trey, Mm -hmm. not getting Trey Galloway in foul trouble, but having him get in foul trouble. Because yeah. then that inevitably got Bates on the floor and got his confidence up because he hit some Yeah, victories. because Woody is a little gun-shy about Bates because Bates defensively can get a little lost. He was good against Bufkin. He was. He was. And, and maybe that's a good sign for him going forward because I feel like they need that guy off the bench. Because I know the rotation is going to be short. There's some freshmen, and I don't think you're ready to count on off the bench. Uh, you've got uh, Renew, but Renew you know, fouls a little bit too much. So they need one of those guards off the bench, especially with Xavier Johnson not coming back for this season. Apologies to those who are like, well, has this podcast become the flagship podcast of the Indiana Hoosiers? (laughs) Maybe for at least 10 minutes. But you mentioned Woodson kind of getting set in his ways. At least you do have the other ball handler in Galloway, even though he's likely going to be starting the rest of the way alongside Huchifino. But from a metric and looking at some of these advanced college basketball sites that use a bunch of efficiency ratings like shot quality. I understand to the average listener that might say, okay, Elan, I don't know if Wes, you go about things similar, not only using your own power ratings, but also looking at a bunch of different metric sites, including shot quality, because Indiana does not rate well looking at shot quality, but that's because a lot of those websites take into account more efficient shots higher quality yeah. shots, which are threes. Three and rim ray, right? And Huchifino and is rim, a pro, and, mid-range. Yeah, yeah. And they have rim rate, you know, with Trace, especially right. when they get Trace the ball, like outside the block of the free throw line. You saw it yesterday against Dickinson where he kind of back in, make one move, and he can out quick a bigger guy like a Dickinson or like Edie. That's what he did at Coburn last year in the Big Ten tournament uh, in the Illinois game. But Yeah, it's because they don't take enough threes. And I I think that's why a lot of the metrics guys and a lot of the SQ guys are really down on them. Yeah, no, and it makes sense. Again, the the higher efficient shot from a number sense is the three and getting to the basket. And Chuchafino, though, to his credit, in a pro-style offense, in a sense— is has taken advantage of that. I mentioned this last week on the podcast against Purdue. Why was Indiana able to upset Purdue at Mackey? Because when Purdue went drop coverage against Jackson Davis, playing mm-hmm. even deeper than they had in that first meeting, Huchifino took advantage every single time, playing like a, a junior or senior out there. And he's going right. to be a, right. should be a lottery pick considering yeah. that kind of performance. So I'm very high on this Indiana team. Apologies to those who have considered turning off the podcast already. This is IU Nation, right? This is Hoosier Nation. <laughs> when you have a guest like Wes on the podcast, you got to expect a lot of IU rambles. But I do agree, looking at the path for Indiana, potentially facing Northwestern in the semis, or if Penn State gets the best of Illinois three straight times this year, which I think is 
likely, even though, like you said, the narrative is you can't beat a team three times of the season or it's it's more difficult. Why is Penn State so successful against Illinois? Because they space the floor and Illinois has a right. tough time against ball screens, especially against floor spacing ball screen offenses when Pickett has ISO matchups in the low post, considering they play five out for the most part. Your handful of possessions and both halves are giving Pickett those mismatches. So I think Indiana has the path to get to the championship game. And you face Purdue, you face Michigan State. Michigan State, probably the more difficult matchup. You mentioned Iowa, Indiana getting blitzed by Iowa. I think that is more so a product of Woodson getting picked apart by Fran McCaffrey in his tenure because McCaffrey runs that motion so well. So I wouldn't be surprised. Iowa takes advantage of Indiana once again if they get to the title game and they win their second straight Big Ten tournament title. But we digress. I won't say it myself. I digress. We digress about Indiana Hoosiers basketball at this point. Over to the SEC Big East. We'll combine those two and then we'll get to maybe one last pick for you if you have one or looking at a maybe a game-by-game basis here for the rest of these conference tournaments. But anything for you in the SEC or the Big East, West? Yeah, when I was looking at the SEC, you have a favorite, obviously, that I think you, you want to sell, even though they're the most talented team. Alabama, I do question, you know, their mindset going in. And we have seen that it has affected them. They barely got out of South Carolina. Uh, you know, they lose in the finale against Texas A&M. I think they were very fortunate to beat Auburn down there at the Coleman Coliseum. So, they, you know, they and they were close against Arkansas, which has kind of been a really erratic team. And that's a team I'm not sure what to do if I was wanting to buy in. I actually did buy in a little bit about 55 to 1 when Smith was coming back. But it seems that Smith and Musselman are not on the same page down there. And that's why I think you're going to see Smith done this year. You know, maybe Musselman is like, hey, I recruited all these, you know, McDonald's All-Americans and these five-star guys. Musselman's pretty damn good out of the transfer portal. Probably one of the first ones to really, I think, take advantage of that when he was at Nevada but Arkansas is a team I want to like but man they're so erratic 12 to (laughs) 1 uh uh, Tennessee without Zakai Ziegler uh, they have a tough time scoring anyway so I worry about them can their defense be good now they now they got to play four games too because they slipped to the five even though they're second choice in the market they'd have to play Missouri again who who did beat them in Thompson Bowling Arena down in Knoxville uh, A&M, I was on them on Saturday against Alabama. A&M, I think, has had a lot of fortune, too, in close games. So they'd be a team I'd be selling a little bit. Uh, if I'm going shorter price, I hate to do it, being an Indiana guy, but Kentucky at plus 450. Now, you're never going to get value on Kentucky in the SEC tournament because they're always the best traveling fan base. But I know they lost that game against Vanderbilt, but this team's played pretty good ball down the stretch. I mean, they were going to be like first four out, go beat Mississippi State, beat Tennessee. Yeah, they beat Florida without Castleton, blow out Auburn, and then win at Fayetteville at Bud Walton Arena. So they've won five of the last six. And and I think Cal maybe has figured it out a little bit. I don't know if he's figured out that Toshibwe has actually kind of been a liability on both ends, especially defensively in terms of pick and roll. He gets picked apart, and that's why he won't last in the NBA if he even gets a sniff. But I think uh, uh, Kentucky is like of the short prices. They would be the one I would be looking at at plus four fifty, plus five dollars, and. There's a couple interesting teams in the mid-range. I think Vanderbilt could be very interesting if Robbins is healthy. You know, without Robbins, I don't think that they can really make a deep run. But I like the stuff Jerry Stackhouse runs. I think he runs a lot of good motion, a lot of good ball screen action, screens off the ball. I like what they run. I think they're about 40 to 1. Mississippi State, can they muck it up enough for four days? Because this is a terrible shooting team from the outside. But they get in your kitchen and they can really guard. So, you know, maybe them at 50 to one, those would be the two long shots. But if you ask me, okay, to pick who's going to win the tournament, I think Kentucky and I think Kentucky's in the bottom half of the draw, which is the easier draw. What was wild about, and I agree with you on Vandy, they're playing, speaking of playing really good basketball down the stretch. If they had Scottie Pippen, the son of the great legendary NBA, six-time NBA champ, then you're probably more 
I mean, this team is obviously profile-wise different if he's on the floor for an entire season, but not having that elite-level score that can take over a conference tournament, to me, is what kind of holds me back. Like I mentioned, my Mm -hmm. West Virginia pick, if Eric Stevenson goes off for four games, which he has the capability to do, especially with a high-variance West Virginia team that shoots a lot of threes and can't hit a lot of threes when he's going, that's the kind of player that you want to back with a bigger number. Can't necessarily get there with Vanderbilt. But going back to your Arkansas thoughts, I agree with you. Just price-wise, I I mean, they're going to play Auburn in their first matchup. That is one of the grosser games you're likely going to see. A lot of free throws. I wonder if that Arkansas... If you like free throws and turnovers, you'll love that game. Oh my goodness. I wonder if that game on Saturday, though, and you mentioned Kentucky's price point. That's why... And they could very well win the conference tournament. I just wonder if you would have gotten a little better value on them because Cats right. didn't have Severe Wheeler or Cason Wallace. So while they won that game, but you go back to the midst of that game. I don't know if you're watching Wes, but Devo Davis picked up a technical foul, subsequently yelled at the ref, said something else, got tossed from the game. So Reeves had four straight technical free throws to drag the lead out for Kentucky from three to seven. And then I think he had a three or a couple shots in the next few possessions. Kentucky never looked back. So you wonder how things would have played out. Now that might speak to the point that you mentioned about how much control does Musselman have of this team, even though they're very talented. They've I mean, from a guard standpoint, you think about Devo Davis, Nick Smith, Anthony Black, even though they don't have the Mizzou transfer in the front court after Trayvon Brazil in the latter part of non-conference play or in the midst of a non-conference play. So long story short, I can't get there with Arkansas. I don't think there's enough value in the number. And it's tough to trust this team just from a character perspective, too, after what we saw on Saturday, but defensively they can get after you. You just wonder how that Auburn game is going to go because to me that is a true toss-up considering when Auburn controls the tempo, they're very electric in transition, just can't hit shots. Going to be a a foul fest like we both think. Over to the Big East, UConn, the favorite, plus 200, Creighton, plus 300, Marquette, plus 300, Xavier, no Zach Fremantle, but they have played better defensively without him. He's done for the rest of the year, plus 550. Then Villanova, 10-1, to going to be a popular pick just based off of the brand name. Providence going to get right. UConn in the first, or their first game, I should say, plus 1,500. Seton Hall, St. John's, Butler, DePaul, and lowly Patrick Ewing foul suit. So any number that interests you there or probably staying away. I, for me, I'm staying away just because I think UConn successively is baked into the number, yeah. and I don't see a ton of value in, in that price, especially because that's going to be a rock fight against Providence at the Garden. Mm-hmm. And I, I have a 30-1 to 1 on UConn that I bet when they kind of hit the skids in January I got 50. to uh, win the championship. Oh, wow. Wow, yeah. I, but, but, I mean, look, I'm still happy with 30. 100%. I, I, I think that's a very good number at this point of year. Good, good for you on getting that. But I wanted, and I was thinking about a month ago and kind of planning a strategy, I wanted to bet Villanova in this tournament because they're finally getting healthy. They got a few quality wins. But 10-1, to I'm seeing them. Yeah. It's like they're, Providence is 15, and, and Providence has to win one last game than Villanova does. Like Villanova still has to beat Georgetown and they still have to win four games in four days. I know Georgetown did it two years ago and I know Georgetown is Georgetown, but there are games where they put in good efforts and have actually covered against good teams. And especially in the first half, they stay with you for 20 minutes. And then after about the 10 minute mark of the second half, you can kind of see it going sideways. So if you're looking maybe to bet that game live, definitely keep an eye on that because they'll have a good effort at least early on in the garden. But uh, I'm not going to bet Marquette because I would kind of want to fade them. I think they definitely overachieved this year. Credit to Shock Smart, who might win National Coach of the Year, certainly is on the short list. Uh, Creighton is the team that I, I like because I like their defense. They're usually an offensive team, but they've been the best defense in the conference. But I still think they're kind of short. Xavier, you know, without Fremantle, even though they've been very good. So I wanted to bet Creighton at that bottom end of the bracket. If I would have got maybe the price on Villanova that Providence is at 15 to 1 or somewhere around there, I'd have taken a shot with the Wildcats. But yeah, this doesn't look like I'm going to have a future in this conference. I'm with you. Creighton would get the winner of Villanova, Georgetown, and then take on 
if Xavier, I'm assuming they wouldn't get upset against Seton Hall or Providence, but you never know against a very physical and key factor for Seton Hall because while they started to play a little bit hot in the midst of Big East conference play, then they faltered down the stretch and a big reason why was because of Kadari Richmond not being in the lineup. So worth looking into his status and the way the Pirates are being priced because 50 to 1 is a big number, but assuming he isn't right for this tournament, then you're likely not going to be very happy with that ticket long-term in terms of the entire Big East tournament. So I I mentioned UConn, you hit on it as well with your national title features bet. I bet them back in the PK 85 going back to November since the beginning of February, which has, I think was after the DePaul win on the road when they still were kind of in the midst of figuring things out defensively. Per Bart Torvik, they ranked top 10 in both adjusted offense and adjusted defensive efficiency since, again, the beginning of last month. This team is elite on that end of the floor. I do worry about guard play because they can get turnover happy, but they are long and athletic with Sonogo up front and Caravan, who's played a lot better defensively. His versatility is a four-man because he can get bullied down low, which was the concern at the beginning of conference play, like against the likes of Xavier when UConn lost their first game of the season. So Diara, if and when he comes back, the backup point and Newton, the turnover woes concern me a bit for this team, but I don't like the number at plus 200. Maybe if you could have gotten a little bit better, plus 280, plus 300, but I'm not super interested in the Huskies. So last but not least here, Wes, any other conference tournament futures bet that piques your interest before we get out of here? Yeah, there's a couple. I'll give a shorter one and a longer one. Uh, the MAC tournament in Cleveland, not the MAC, but the <laughs> MAC, the Mid American Conference. Uh, uh, Akron at five to one, I thought was kind of interesting because they're probably going to get Kent State if the seeds hold that three two. We know the rivalry between those two teams and Akron, even though they are down most of the game, took Kent State to overtime. They split the season series this year, so there's a lot of heat there. Toledo is kind of one of those teams they play that tempo but that sometimes gets them upset in these tournaments so Akron I thought was interesting is the three at like five to one uh, and that might be where I try to get in on them Uh, Pac-12 if you're looking at a long shot I know it's becoming popular Washington State at 20 to one they have won six in a row down the stretch now neither were none of them were against UCLA or Arizona who I, it's probably slated that they're going to be there, but Washington state might give you a little bit of an opportunity to have somebody down the board, a little live Utah. I kind of wanted to look at, but I don't think that they're going to be healthy enough. So those are ones that, that I will have, I will be betting maybe a couple more throughout the week. You don't want to go crazy with some of these because of the hold. And because sometimes it's more, uh, really I think better long term to play like a money line rollover even though most betters don't necessarily bet like that so keep that in mind when you hear that at nauseum on the Twitter machine and all over social media this week and then in the big west out here in Henderson Hawaii eight to one best defense in the conference and they have got a lot of size I think UCSB is the best team they're the two seed Irvine is the one seed so Hawaii is in that four or five game with Cal State Fullerton. They beat Fullerton. I think they're primed to upset Irvine and their defense has been excellent. So I would anticipate a Hawaii Santa Barbara matchup in the final. Good stuff there. And you mentioned Wazoo in the Pac-12 really quickly on them before I give out my other conference tournament features. But from a conference rating perspective overall I I didn't want to spend too much time on the Pac-12 because the Jalen Clark injury is certainly going to wrap its head around this conference tournament UCLA still waiting awaiting MRI results on that as of this recording on Monday afternoon but you brought up the Cougs Kyle Smith former USF coach San Francisco coach in the WCC very similar mold to West Virginia in a sense in terms of the pricing, I think the best number you can get on Wazoo is 22 to 1, but slow tempo, which again leads to high variance if you're looking at a bigger number. 10th highest three point scoring rate across Division 1. And they're hot going into the tournament, too. Winners of six straight games and fighting for an NCAA tournament berth, obviously. So motivation comes into play. But 
looking at the other futures bet I have besides West Virginia, New Mexico at plus 1400 would bet them down to plus 1200, got them over at that price, 14 to one at Caesar Sportsbook on Monday morning. And the big thing for me here is the New Mexico Lobos wouldn't face San Diego State up until the conference tournament championship mm-hmm. game. And it, again, everyone has their perception of revenge and situational spots. But the fact that the Aztecs got away with that game at the pit going back to a couple weeks ago oh, when yeah. Lamont Butler hit the three will definitely be in the minds of a, a very aggressive up-tempo New Mexico team. And the other thing with the number two is the reason why I like it, even though the profile is a bit different than some of these other teams that I've bet so far, they've lost eight of their last 11 games. So they don't have a lot of momentum heading in, but that's baked into the number. And that's why you're getting a better price on this team. They didn't have Jalen house as well for two of those losses. So I mentioned they play up tempo, the 23rd ranked adjusted tempo in college basketball. They rely on isolation, maybe a little too much, which makes their half court offense a bit untrustworthy and mid range as well. Kind of similar to Indiana, not necessarily a darling of the advanced metrics uh, sites, but uh, couple that with being bottom 15 in three point attempt rate nationally. But I make their implied probability a little bit, higher than what we see at the price tag of 12 to one, or I think as low as 10 to one in the market. So very experienced, very cohesive group with house. I mentioned Jamal Mashburn, their leading scorer and Udezi, Morris Udezi, the Wichita state transfer, one of the best rebounders at both ends in college basketball, which allows them to play at that up-tempo pace. So very high on the Lobos like that price. I have West Virginia and New Mexico. Wes, if you want to wrap up your conference tournament futures what do you got yeah I, i'm gonna i i'm gonna bet akron at five to one for the mac also hawaii at eight to one uh looking at at the big 10 i may take a shot with penn state uh down the board i'll probably have a little bit of indiana you know usually with these bigger conferences especially where you got like 14 teams it's kind of you can it's okay to bet two and you're not just limited to one where you know maybe you bet one on one side of the draw and one side of the other you bet one shorter price one longer price to give yourself some position perhaps to head so that is what i'm doing i'm digging into these all week as we go along uh uh, go South Alabama Jaguars, who I have at 10 to 1 tonight in the Sun Belt. Uh, did hedge a little off with the ULL money line, but would be nice to score one of those uh, at least to start uh, championship yeah. week. Go. I, I'm with you, man. I'm rooting for your futures there tonight as we're recording this a bit before. So that's Wes Reynolds. You can follow him on Twitter at Wes Reynolds 1, the Beeson Coast of Live Bet Tonight in Vegas. Live in Vegas, airing Monday through Friday from 6 to 9. Pacific time. And remember to head over to the lines.com. We're giving away a $25 Amazon gift card in our daily college hoops pick'em contest, especially with March Madness right around the corner. Be sure to check out the lines.com for some big time contests that we have new contests before the big dance, head over to the lines.com to get the best of the number on any of these conference tournament futures bets and subscribe to the lines podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. For Wes, I'm Eli Herskovich. Thanks for watching and listening to another edition of the Outside Shots Podcast.